0: Hey, guys, I wanted to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts called Press Box Access. Join former sports writer Todd Jones as he interviews one of motorsports most accomplished writers, Al Pierce. He talks everything from NASCAR and Formula One to the death of a legend in Dale Earnhardt Sr. When you think about Earnhardt, what do you think about?
1: He, He would not want you to know how soft he was as a human being. Hmm. He would want you to know he was a badass racer who came from 18th to win at Talladega, who flipped and rolled at Daytona, got out of his car, noticed that the four tires were still up, got back in it, had him push it to the garage where it could be repaired. He he would not want you to know that if you were a member of the media or you were a crewman for another team, And something happened back at home, and you had to go back to Charlotte or wherever you lived, you could have his airplane. He would not tell you anybody that I sent two guys home yesterday. Their wives went into labor. They couldn't get there in driving time. Mm. I gave them my plane. Mm. He'd never tell you that. He would tell you, I wouldn't wreck my mother to win, but I'd wreck your mother. (laughs) And and he was that way. He was he was so. He was so focused on winning. The intimidator.
0: Listen to this full episode of Pressbox Access featuring Al Pierce wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcast.com. dot com. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Sarah is on her way to Indianapolis. So it is just us tonight. We are going to talk a little bit about qualifying. We'll make some race predictions, kind of talk about everything that unfolds. Obviously, I guess kind of the sad news to get out of the way is after a practice accident today, Stefan Wilson fractured his 12th thoracic vertebrae so unfortunately he's being held overnight uh, which tonight is what day is it monday monday night uh, for observation but unfortunately that means he's not going to race we're not going to speculate on who can replace him we'll let the news play out whenever it plays out but kind of similar to was it hinchcliffe when hinchcliffe got hurt and ryan briscoe was able to get a special hour session to kind of get up and running in the car a little bit that year, I'm sure we will see something similar. So we shall see, but yeah, hopefully he's able to recover soon, maybe get in a, a race late in the season or or later in the season. So definitely a bummer, man.
2: Yeah, it was not, I mean, there was, wasn't much that could have been done. I don't think I it was a strange accident just because everyone was slowing up and it looked like Catherine Leg really, tried to put on the brakes and obviously it didn't work out that way. It just happened. I think the way that he hit the wall, unfortunately, and he's six foot four doesn't help. Sure. Sure. You know, if but we'll see. I I think obviously we don't want to see anyone get injured, but that was a nasty crash. And, you know, while we were watching it, just kind of see the medical crews show up. You never know what's going to happen. So as far as injuries go, I'm, I'm glad Stefan is okay. And you know, missing the race is unfortunate, but his health is what's most important.
0: Correct. Couldn't Couldn't agree more there. I have some interesting Indy 500 qualifying facts that I'm going to run through a couple of these. Then we'll go do our predictions. Talk about the craziness that was this weekend. And then we'll make a couple race predictions. Let's see here. Alex Pelot is the first Spanish driver to win a pole for the greatest spectacle in racing. That's pretty impressive, because obviously he's not the first Spanish driver to race in the 500 over the last couple of years. Third consecutive pole for Ganassi. We saw that already. Everybody's probably heard that like 800 times. All right, let's make this a trivia question for you, Frenchie. This was not planned. Before this year, how many other number 10s have won the Indy 500 pole? hmm
2: I'll give you a hint the, the last one Dario uh no right no. wasn't Dario at number 10 with Ganassi for a while yeah but no they, they that did that may not be the last it. one but no it's, you, uh, I didn't let you finish the question so finish you it. didn't
0: yeah because <laughs> I was going to tell you the last one was pre-year 2000
2: okay so what was Dario running number nine
0: no, that would have been Dixon. I don't remember what number Dario was running, but he did not get the poll any
2: year he was oh, running. Oh, not the 10. poll. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, Number 10 winner of, of the poll. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I can easily picture the winners of the 500, but I have to think a little bit more about who got the poll each year. Yeah.
0: I can give you a hint. I, I I don't know who one is. There's only there's the, the last time was in 1993 it was also oh. a Ganassi
2: driver. Yeah, if that who won the poll in 1993, wasn't that Ari Leondyke?
0: Yep. Number 10. Yeah. OK, that was Ganassi's first poll. Now, I don't who have whoever the other one is because it's not noted in this in this little thing that IndyCar sent out. Let's see here. This is the closest front row in Indy 500 history in terms of speed with 0. 0.103 of a mile per hour separating the third starter and Felix Rosenquist from Polo, the pole winner. That's pretty crazy. Let's see here. Benjamin Peterson recorded the second four lap qualif- second fastest four-lap qualifying average by a rookie in Indy 500 history for a less than impressive fight team. That's, I don't know, probably the most amazing stat we're going to see. And the first, the record is obviously Tony Stewart back in 96. Also, Peterson turned the fastest qualifying lap ever in terms of a single lap by a rookie at 233, 297. Tony had a 233, 179 in 96. He just had a better four lap average. So, wow. Yeah. Let's see. Is there anything else on this list? I have not read this. Canapino becomes the first Argentine driver to qualify for the 500 since... Raul Riganti in 1940. Never what? heard of him before. And yeah, I think we will wrap the facts right there. And Frenchie, you can look at how terrible our predictions were.
2: Yes. They were not good. Also, didn't Juan Manuel Fangio try to qualify for the 500? I think that he up did, but he, he, never, he never made the race, obviously. so But yeah, I know he's from Argentina, so that was just something I thought about. I think it was 1958 he was trying to make the race. 1958, he attempted to qualify,
0: but did not... Sorry, Wikipedia is less than ideal in terms of... Failed to qualify. He tried
2: in oh, two different okay. cars. Okay, interesting. That is really odd to think about somebody who is that gifted and won that many formula one championships. But I think at that time, what 1958, it was even more of a different discipline than it is now.
0: But can, can we just look at the failed entries from that year real quick? Because there's some
2: pretty amazing names
0: on there. So at Flaherty, didn't he win? Yeah, he won. Yeah. He's a winner. 56 race. It was. Yeah. 56 Flaherty won. Let's see, Fred Agabashian failed in four different cars he tried in. Holy hell. <laughs> uh Troy Rutman failed to qualify in that one. Okay, another winner. This guy's name looks familiar, but maybe no. No. What is no, it? Dutch Schaefer. I don't know why. No, I that mean, just we're... sounds like a stereotypical
2: yeah. race car driver name,
0: but and then Carol Shelby, who did not take his rookie test.
2: So that was 1958. 58. Yeah. Yeah. So Shelby went on to win Le Mans the next year with Aston Martin. All right. Now we can go to those bad predictions. Okay. Yeah. They were pretty awful. So we predicted Mm -hmm. the last row and my last row was R.C. Enerson. Elio. Callum, who we thought might be in the last row until basically Saturday. Right. Yep. And then let's see. Uh, oh, and Benjamin Peterson. What? That was a really bad take Ooh. from me. Ooh. He should be wrong. Oh, my gosh. He was really impressive. So, Peterson, what, qualified 12th?
0: Let me switch screens up, here. Uh,
2: 11th. 11th. Okay, so, yep, not in the last row. Where did Elio qualify? Not in the last row. No. 20th. qualified 20th. So, meh. Callum was... 28th and RC was 29th. So you had Canapino who 27th. Okay. So, I mean, these are people towards the back of the grid. Um, Lungard who was in the last row. So you got that one, right? Enerson. And then you also had Kirkwood and Kirkwood. And Overall, didn't look that good. Kirkwood was 15th. Yeah. So my worst
0: pick was lower than your worst pick, but all in all, we, at least I had one, but that still wasn't impressive.
2: And then for the poll, I picked Sato, and nope, he qualified seventh. And you had mm-hmm. Pelou. You picked correctly, which I picked Pelou and Fancy. Did I really? Yeah, you picked the poll winner correctly. Wow, I didn't even remember that I did that. I'm gonna have to go downstairs and
0: and uh, talk to Pops afterwards about how how amazing my predictions are.
2: Well, the poll average speed. We also guessed. I said. 2.34.8 or 9, which was optimistic because we ended up with sure. 234. Two. 2. Yeah, 2.17. yeah And you said 2.33.5. So technically you would win if we play prices Right rules. Yeah. yeah because yeah. I went over. But neither of us were insane. Neither of us said that we were going to see like a 2.37 <laughs> or something like that, <laughs> which I don't know how delusional you would have had to be to think there was going to be Very. that year on year increase in speed. But there you go let's see Oh, person who's going to damage the car first which unfortunately we saw the first accident of the month of may yeah we can skip that one yeah we we had a guess and neither of us were correct is that it for predictions yeah those are all of our qualifying predictions all right well let's talk about qualifying i think saturday was a lot of fun and
0: you know just just watching I guess, you know, I don't know what you think, but maybe the, you know, because the weather was what it was and it was pretty cool all day, Truck temps didn't get as hot as it was Sunday. So it was easier for, you know, easier in quotation marks for, for the cars to cool down in their engines. So we didn't see what we usually saw on qualifying Saturday where there's like a lull early afternoon after everybody's done their initial run. What did you think of, you know, at least Saturday?
2: I think we talked about that. The Penske strategy was interesting, at least the strategy that they had with Joseph and (sighs) Scott McLaughlin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You go first.
2: So that was just it seemed really strange because they just withdrew the slots, right, that they they Mm -hmm. didn't even put up a time and they just went in the priority lane Mm -hmm. at a certain point in the afternoon when they thought they were going to go fast enough. And I mean, neither of them qualified poorly. But 17th and 14th, I mean, you're just that kind of outside the mm-hmm. top 12. And I don't know if they would have gotten in the top 12 if they had waited for their spots or who knows, but I don't know, maybe with a little bit more data sitting there and watching more cars go around, being more patient, that could have worked th- out for them.
0: Yeah, I think the, I don't know if big mistake is the right word, but the the issue is I get what they were trying to do in theory the track temps never got as warm as I think they may be expected or we all may be expected but also once Pillow went out there and and ran that 234 or 233 whatever he ran on Saturday I don't remember and they went oh shit maybe we should get out there like why why wouldn't like you said like you just said why don't they just stay in line and if they're a little bit leery about conditions at the time that they would have run they would go hey listen we're going to pull out and you know, wait 15 minutes or wait 45 minutes or whatever. Because they ended up I don't want to say they ended up screwing themselves, but I think McLaughlin was one or two spots after Pillow, and obviously Newgarden was four or five spots after Pillow. So maybe you let McLaughlin go because I think he would have maybe not done as well as Pillow, but I think he would have been a little bit faster. By the time you got to Newgarden or where Newgarden would have been, the track was I think starting to warm up a little bit, but I don't know. All in all, I don't agree with it. I just, I just think it's a really, it's just a strange strategy call from such a usually sound team like that.
2: Yeah, that was, I think the main thing that stood out to me for the day. And I guess also maybe the other thing on Saturday that I really took was number one, and we'll talk about this probably a little bit more, that Foyt was extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. But number two, that Andretti was surprisingly, I mean, not I'm not going to say slow because none of their cars were really awful, but none of them were as impressive as we have come to expect for that team. And it wasn't at a Hall level, but it was still confusing.
0: I would say they were adequate. Like they weren't necessarily bad, but by no means were they impressive. Like, they were just, you know, they were just there. Like, they were honestly what um, what you would expect from, like, a, a Meyer shank or a coin that, like, they're safely in the field, but they're not really battling for the top 12. Like, outside of Kirkwood, who was in the top 12 for, like, 45 minutes, like, I don't know if, I don't think I heard a... Got even close to the top twelve on time, did he? I don't. I don't think so.
2: Not that I remember. No, I think maybe it was Marco in there for a little bit. I don't know if I remember. I don't think how, so. How many times that changed? Okay,
0: because remember he said our our effort or our speed or whatever is unacceptable. Blah blah blah. Like he went off on yeah on when he got
2: interviewed Saturday. Hmm. Yeah, it was interesting, and then also I guess. I just wanted to mention that I thought it was, I don't know, striking how much of a beatdown Renus VK put on his two teammates. Yeah. And his yeah. two teammates, I mean, obviously, you never count out Ed Carpenter at the 500. We call, you know, he's the oval specialist. I don't know about every oval, but at the 500, just like Elio, I give him credit. And he's somebody I'm not going to count out for at least qualifying up near the front. And Connor too. I think Connor's probably the most impressive on short ovals and then the 500. Mm -hmm. And especially in the Ed Carpenter cars, which tend to be really good. That was odd to see how much faster Renus was than the two of those guys.
0: Yeah. I, I expected at least one of Ed or Connor to be up there with Renus, especially because they probably have close to similar setups. Like they have the last couple of years, because every like I don't know, I say every year, the last couple of years has been up there. Renis has been up there. Connor's been up there. Mm-hmm. And it was in just the fast Ed. nine
2: usually. Right. Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. 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 And even like Ed, Ed made it in there. But Ed was not, you know, not certain he was in the back half of the of the fast 12. So it was definitely a curious effort. But let's move to Sunday. Obviously, Saturday, the end of the day, we saw co-host Malukas keep himself safe from having to worry about running on Sunday with a, a really nice effort to add. I think it was like a mile and an hour, a mile and a quarter out per hour to his average qualifying speed there. So that was really yeah. good to see. He Definitely, from, what on the bubble to twenty third. He, he really from, put
2: himself up there.
0: Yeah, he technically jumped from having no time to 23rd because you know, he lost his time. So that was great. Obviously, I I was at a friend's house in Philly and I was pacing around his living room relentlessly to somebody who had never really watched IndyCar before and he did enjoy his the hour and change of qualifying we watched. So I think Sunday, let's let's start with Ray Hall, like the team. Before the season, we thought, oh, my God, they hired more new engineers, like some really incredible talents. I hired that one guy from F1 whose name is Escaping. Stefano Sordo. Yeah,
2: yeah. From McLaren.
0: Yeah, and wow, that's a great hire. Like, that's obviously a really smart guy if he, you know, worked for F1. And then I thought this weekend, and I saw it a couple of times online, maybe hiring a guy from F1 to lead your Arrow you know, package for ovals is maybe you should have hired maybe a a assistant engineer or somebody below him that has IndyCar oval experience <laughs> because like I mean those cars were just I paid a lot of attention attention to their telemetry especially on Sunday on the straights versus the the fast twelve it was almost like we were watching a different racing series when we when we compared the two. On the straights, the Ray Hall cars got to about on the back straight about two thirty three at the most. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. once in a while, you'd see Harvey like blip like two thirty five for like a quarter second. On the straights, the top cars are hit on the back straight. The top cars are hitting two forty one, two forty two. Yeah, and right. then coming out of turn four, a lot of times both Ray Hall and Harvey were two twenty six, two twenty eight, mostly in the two twenty seven, two twenty eight. So they're losing all of their speed through the corners. And so by the time they get to the next corner, they're only at 233, 234 again. They're losing all their speed in the corner and they have no straight line speed. I don't know if it's the engineering fault. I'm not like trying to blame Stefano or whatever the hell his name is, but it's it's like this is like almost worse than Foyt level of embarrassment at any race this year to have all four of your cars qualify thirtieth, or all th- three of your four cars qualify 30th or worse and your full-time cars right all <laughs> yeah. three of your your full-time cars had to run again on sunday to get in and the only car that didn't have to run on sunday and Catherine Blake, who did a fantastic job only qualified 30th right like that's just a dismal effort like it's almost like no they put in no effort and i know they put in effort that's that's very mean of me to say but it the optics look horrendous. Sports stars. They're like superheroes,
1: but they're actually real, which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see, they've all got a story, but too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant, Payne Stewart, Flojo, Phil Hughes,
0: Justin Fashionew.
1: We're writing episodes about all of them.
2: And sadly, many more.
1: Death of a sports star, a new series from crowd network
2: no it does and i i mean maybe stefano Sordo was the guy who uh was heading up mclaren's indy 500 oh, effort God, in 2017 yeah. no I'm just kidding i don't know about that i'm just making that up but yeah i mean we've seen f1 guys come because wasn't gavin ward and in, in f1 like he worked in f1 Red before Bull. he came over to yeah. indycar yeah so there are yeah. people who've come
1: They were able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.
2: Over from F1 and been extremely successful. And then remember when Lena Gade, I don't, she did some work in F1, right? But she also did like WEC work, sports car stuff with Audi. And then she wasn't that successful.
0: She wasn't that successful. She was the year Hinch ah, got bumped. And I think after the 500 or after he got bumped, I'm pretty sure that's when she went you know, to WEC or wherever she ended up going after afterwards. But yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's just really strange. And do you think... We haven't got an explanation for why the cars were so slow, right? They, they didn't really know. Mm-mm. Did they just put a ton more downforce on because they had to? Because it so, just looked like they were running like a sail or like a parachute behind their car, like you were talking it, about, where they just had so much more drag.
0: It's weird. It's like they they, they were losing speed in the corners, So you think, okay, they, they don't have enough downforce on the car. Right. But if they don't have enough downforce on the car, at least they should be able to get a little bit of straight line speed. And they had neither. So it was the car not worked on correctly throughout the off-season preparation was it the engine was it the damper? was it the damper program for the corner speed you know i don't i don't know but like you could say it's 18 things and probably not be wrong mm-hmm. so they tried to change a chassis on one of the cars i don't know if we ever got confirmation if it was like ray hall or or harvey or whatever but you can't change the chassis on a car unless you know you wreck or something happens, right? Once Friday practice is done, so I think once the qualifying draw is done at six thirty in the evening, like the chassis you're you're you finished Friday practice with is the chassis you're running in qual in qualifying. So they tried to change it Saturday night, obviously didn't work. I guess we can go to I I do want to I don't know applaud tip my hat to. Bobby Hall for staying out of the team's way when Agreed. everything was going on. Cause at first I was kind of like, I don't know, this is kind of garbage leadership and I'm pretty sure I might've texted you that. Yeah. And, and then, and then I thought, I'm like well, you know, each team has a strategist. Each team is, is doing its own program. Bobby is the team owner. He could easily get in there and tell Jack you're not running. Graham is getting this thing. Please don't give another attempt. And the team would probably listen. Instead, you know, he sat there on the golf cart watching intently until it was too late. And then didn't complain, you know, didn't like try to like throw shade or anything like, you know, subtly or whatever. So bravo to that.
2: I thought he did a really good job. It was kind of confusing because he seemed almost nonchalant about Mm -hmm. it for most of the Mm -hmm. time. But I think that's actually when we were talking about it, it looked like he didn't care. And that's what we were both interpreting as poor leadership. Yeah. But I actually think that that when we think about it now, that is excellent leadership because you're not screaming at the team like a Lawrence Stroll would be berating people and making things worse. You're accepting the situation that you're in and putting on a brave face. And he's been through it, like he said, multiple times. And he's not blaming anyone. So Mm -hmm. I think he actually did a fantastic job because I can't see a lot of other IndyCar owners. And I'm thinking of some certain ones that I'm pretty sure you can probably guess who would be kind of meddling in their affairs if they had to, you know, if their cars were fighting for the last spot, that there would be certain team owners who would be right in there telling the teams what to do and not letting it sort Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. fall the way the cars are going to fall.
0: So do we want to talk about the intensity of that last 15 minutes or do we just talk about or do we just go holy shit that was nuts I don't know about you but obviously because of life I wasn't at the track this weekend and I was sitting in the living room with my dad and Harvey goes out for a second attempt and you can tell he's like he's almost there but obviously ends up like not quite there I think part way through that run I started pacing around because this is nothing against, I have nothing against Graham Hall, but Jack Harvey has always been nice to us on the show, like since like day one of the show, he's always been a good interview, always been helpful, whatever we need. So I was pulling for, I was pulling for Jack Harvey and then he didn't get it. I was like, oh no. So that last run, I am pacing around the kitchen. The dog is staring at me like I'm completely insane. And when he finally gets in, I'm pretty sure like my dad and I both shouted, high fived, like fist pumps, like everything. Like it was like he won the race and he barely, you know, by seven one thousandth of a mile an hour made the field. And there's probably a what? A Oh, 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 one percent chance he even gets a podium. But the fact he just made the field was epic.
2: Agreed. And I think I tweeted something out on that basically compared it to the Kyle Kaiser making the field. We're never going to yeah. forget that. We No one ever thought that Kyle Kaiser was going to win the race. But just the fact that Jack, who has had an extremely rough time with that organization, did this really inspiring yeah. effort and just would not kind of accept his fate of getting bumped from the race. was It was really impressive, I think. And it no matter who it was in that car, you had to root for the underdog because that's just the way that the story was working. And like you said, nothing against Graham, but to watch somebody go out there and at the last second, you know, the clock is at zero. It It's just a classic sports story. And I don't think I've been that excited about any race, even that we've seen this mm-hmm. year. I mean, just the emotions that I was even feeling. So it's incredible. And we have to give a shout out to Graham Ray Hall for talking to the media for being open. Right. And, you know, he, he cried on national TV. I don't think anybody really wants to do that, but Mm -hmm. he wasn't like bawling. He didn't, he tried to talk to the media and then he went away and he had a really good moment with his family. I thought it was cool. And I think his reaction of not, I don't know, like he wasn't disappointed for himself. Right. Right. It, It was, it was about missing the race, but it wasn't, there was no blame for Jack Harvey. There was no hard feelings. That's cool. And you know, you maybe expect somebody whose dad is the team owner to act like a spoiled baby and stomp their feet. And sometimes Graham acts like a spoiled baby and stomps his feet and whines. Yep. This wasn't one of those times. And you know, just it was really cool.
0: Yeah, I uh I I definitely agree there. I think the other thing kind of adding to what you just said is when Graham spoke today, he said, listen. I'm not jumping in Jack's seat. I'm not buying his ride. I'm here to support the team and, you know, get them ready for this weekend and kind of do a little bit of looking ahead to Detroit the weekend after. So, you know, mainly thank you to Graham. So that like. the Media doesn't get 16 million questions over the next couple of days on. If Graham is going to, you know, buy that ride or, you know, some way, shape or form or or whatever. So thank you, Graham, I guess we can go to predictions. I don't if yeah. there's anything else.
2: I don't know. The poll shootout, the top six was cool.
0: Yeah. But it's, almost, it was after the, after the emotion of the bumping yeah. thing. And it was really like, I, my dad is a lifelong Foyt fan. So I wanted to see, you know, the, the odds where if it was a fight car, it was going to be Ferrucci on the poll. And so you know, I could see like how excited my dad was when Ferrucci went out there and qualifying. And, uh, you know, Santino is also one of the drivers that was very nice to my dad a couple years ago when him and I were at the track together. So obviously it didn't happen, but still qualifying fourth was epic. But after he qualified fourth, I was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like it just, it was, it's just so hard to compare. Like it's hard to like have that same level of, energy after you've just seen like the craziest
2: bumping in you know five years six years yeah no one in the top six and this is not an insult or a a slight at any of them but polo vk rosenquist ferrucci award and dixon only ferrucci of that group would be an interesting poll sitter like someone that you would not have expected the others were people who i'm sure the odds of them making polls were pretty high right so most of the interesting people I think were down, like Benjamin Peterson would have been a really fascinating story. I think Sada would be interesting as a one-off, um, you know, people like that, I guess. And Tony Kanon in his last Indy 500 would have been really interesting. But the other guys, not that it's not cool that Alex Pelot just did such a fast time and was, you know, it was incredible feat, but he's the type of guy you expect to see on the front row at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Okay,
2: predictions. Let's see here.
0: Let's do this. I I know I've said this on the show probably last Indy 500. So me, my dad, my brother who like rarely watches IndyCar and my cousin also Mike who we have a our own Indy 500 prediction kind of game every year. We're going to bring it to the show. We might have done this last year. I think we might have done it last year. So grab your starting lineup. We're going to pick one car from the first 11. We're going to pick one car from the middle 11, and we're going to pick two cars from the last 11. We'll add up their, we'll add up their finishing positions at next week and, and we'll come up with an average and whoever has the better average can win. So let's let's go back and forth on these to make it quick so let's see here who is your driver in the first 11
2: hold on i just clicked on a starting lineup on cbs sports and it gave me some annoying thing about ad blocker so now i'm on motorsport and i have no issues so screw you cbs sports (laughs) oh never mind no motorsports is doing the same thing and asking me about ad blocker and just subscribe why can't i just pull up a starting grid there we go. Thank you, planetf1.com. Uh sporting news is the one that helped me. Okay. So I'm picking my person in the first eleven. Yes. Hmm. Let's go with Rossi. All
0: right. I'll take Santino. Because two of the four Indy five hundred wins by his boss man, AJ Foyt, came from the starting position of fourth. And in the last seven or eight five hundreds, I think all but one have been won from I think the top five
2: or the top six. So that's what I'm going with. All right. Middle Austin eleven. Seventh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. let's see. Middle eleven. Ryan Hunter Ray. All
0: right, I will take Scotty McLaughlin. All right, we're going to do two from the bottom 11. You and I can alternate, so we can give each other a chance here. Go ahead. Hmm. Bottom 11. I know. It's it's hard when you get to, to this.
2: It's hard no. because... Not necessarily like the drivers, but some people like track position list that I would want to pick. Yeah. And I don't know if I trust them to also some of them to stay clean the whole race. Okay. Uh, is Colton Herta in the last 11? No. No, he's uh, this doesn't have numbers. So I'm just looking. Who's okay. the cutoff there?
0: The cutoff would be so one the 11, list of them. 12 to 23. The cutoff is Marco
2: on down. Okay. Let's go with, you know what? I'm gonna take a flyer on Catherine Leg. Okay. I'm I gonna will come take, back.
0: I will take Canapino. Who's your last pick of the draft?
2: Hmm. Enerson. Ooh, damn. Okay. Why you say damn? <laughs> I was that? gonna pick him. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was a fun pick.
0: You know what? Let's let's have some fun with this. Jack Harvey, you're my last pick. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, we'll wrap it there. Everybody knows what the times are for this weekend. Carb Day is on Friday. Legends Day stuff is on Saturday. The race is on Sunday. In case you didn't know, if you're energetic, wake up early. You can watch the parade at Monaco for two hours. <laughs> and yeah, that's about it. Well, Frenchie, you guys have fun. And Yeah, come we'll say hi right. to us
2: if you're there. Yep, come say Text hi to us, them. Text us, tweet us. Yep. Sarah and I will be there. Yeah, you know,
0: harass them, throw beer, throw hot dogs at them. Don't throw beer at them. Just throw hot dogs. And I hope like Cody or somebody actually like pretends to throw a hot dog now or something like that. It'd
2: be such a waste of a hot dog. I mean,
0: hot dogs are gross anyway. So hot You mean hot dogs. I mean, I'll eat them if they're available, if it's like the only thing available, but I'd rather not, hmm. you know, I mean, with like horse meat and glue and, you know, mulch and I don't know whatever else is in there, but yeah. Okay. Don't eat hot dogs. And we'll be back next week to recap the greatest spectacle in racing. Hip
1: Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!